coming up today on the Lead to Succeed podcast. The most common piece of advice that I give to people about being an entrepreneur, ready, is do not be an entrepreneur. And they look at me like I'm crazy. They're like, what's going on here? Is this a trick? <laughs> like, we're supposed to be getting guidance about being entrepreneurs. So I don't mean it in a, a mean way. I mean it in a realistic way. Most businesses are going to fail and most people aren't ready for that. Do you want to learn the tricks that top leaders use to get the most out of themselves and their teams? Well, Naftali Hoff is here to help lead to succeed. Picks the brains of top leaders to learn about their challenges, insights, and best practices. Here's Naftali. Hello, Lead to Succeed Nation. It's Naftali Hoff, and welcome to Lead to Succeed, episode 48. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Brian Wallace. Brian is the founder and president of NowSourcing, an industry-leading infographic design agency based in Louisville, Kentucky, and Cincinnati, Ohio, which works with companies that range from startups to Fortune 500s. Brian also runs Lincoln Local Events nationwide, hosts the Next Action podcast, which I was a guest on, and it's fantastic. Definitely check it out, and has been named a Google Small Business Advisor from 2016 to the present. Brian, thanks so much for coming on the show today. My pleasure, Naftali. Anytime and really glad to be here. I appreciate the yeah, opportunity. I'm really excited and I know that we're going to get into a lot of things. And oh, yeah. I know you're based out in Cincinnati now as a former New Yorker. Um, yep. I've spent some time out in the Midwest as well, and it's certainly a great place to hang. So uh, I, I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about. Um, but I'm really interested in the, the infographic space because it's something that you know, I, I think from those who like to learn visually, for those who like to see messages, I don't want to give too much away because I want you to say it, um, but those folks who like to capture the essence of things uh, in a picture. So I, I want to delve more deeply, but how did you get into this? Like, that's not a field that most people say, I want to wake up and make infographics when I grow up. So how did that, how did that no, happen? I couldn't have said that because it didn't exist when I was <laughs> That's true. In essence, we've helped build this as a legitimate industry. At least we've done our part in doing so over the course of the last decade. Uh, there were only a handful of people around the world that were doing it before we started. And I just saw an opportunity and I said, wow, everybody's really going to want to do this. So to understand where I am, we have to understand where I've been. My background has a little bit of everything from political science and game theory and neuroscience and computer science and MBAs and internet technologies. I've worked for the government. I've worked for small business. I've worked for startups in the first dot-com boom and bust. Um, and just really seen the gamut, have a decade of technology experience and found that I really did not like that as a profession because tech sucks and tech always breaks and it's always your fault and people are mad and they want to know what kind of laptop to get. And it's like, I have to kind of hide the fact. It's like, no, I, I can't fix your computer. Sorry, guys. You know, Brian, before I let you finish answering this question, I'm going to need about three infographics so far just to follow all of those details in yeah. terms of your progression and everything else. But keep us going. Go ahead. There you go. Yep. I fully documented my whole life story and all of that. So there's plenty of bits and bytes all around the internet for this. But it really takes a stack of knowledge to know where you're going next. I think that a lot of people think that they should just be good at one or two things, but I don't believe in that. I think that you are actually, you, Naftali, and everybody that's listening, really is probably good at a superset of maybe half a dozen things, right? So I'm good at visualizing things in my mind. I'm good at brainstorming. I'm good at ideation. I'm good at sales. I'm good at marketing. 
I'm not a comedian, but I like to kind of keep things entertaining and all of that. So there's all of these things that if you stir it together, you can make a superset rather than I'm going to do this over here and then I'm going to do this passion project over there. If you combine the things kind of like we did with the whole infographic agency model, you really can do that. So after, like I said, being disaffected in tech and hadn't enough of New York, I basically went to the people who own the company that I was a CTO at. I said, hey, listen, I don't want to leave you high and dry, but I really want to start my own company. Please be a client. They said yes. Not too long after, I moved to the Midwest. And before we got into infographics, we were very early on a social media agency. So we did some really interesting stuff at the very dawn of social media in 2006, 2007. But by the end of the 2000s, everybody and their mother thought that they were a social media expert. Insert gag reflex here. So rather than trying to be everything to everyone, I knew that we would stretch too thin and just blow apart. Be, just given the nature of all the requests of existing clients and new clients and everybody asking all sorts of opinions. So that's when I really sat down with the team and I said, all right, what is it that we're good at? We're good at telling a story. We're good at the visuals and we're good at making servers crash and virality and getting in the news. And that's when I saw a couple of infographics on the scene in 2008 before pretty much everybody's even seen infographics, let alone tried their hand at one. And ever since then, and <laughs> Now we're the top rated place in the entire country. We've done all sorts of Fortune 500s and all that. And I think it's, it's such a wonderful medium because people don't like to read at all because we're just inundated with information. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Jacob Nielsen, who's highly regarded as the father of user experience. So about 20 years ago, he wrote that people do not read on the internet. They just quickly scroll through things and they do a habit and behavior called chunking. So if they do that through text anyway, most of your text turns into garbage. So you have to prime the human mind in the 2.7 seconds that you get their attention to get on a website before they bounce and leave forever to make sure that that stands out. So we always make the header, the title, all of these things really impactful, but it's not just a picture. It's a data dense emotional story that's usually a four to five minute read for all consumption. And then it just goes crazy. Got it. Okay. So there's a lot to unpack there for sure. And unfortunately, this piece about people not liking, liking to read, I can totally relate to. I love to write. So it's for people like me who have, who have the challenge, like you said, to how do you grab someone's attention and hold it uh, in text, which is, which is not such a simple thing, which is why I, you know, put in video wherever I can and, and, and images and whatnot, just to keep people visually engaged and not just, let's call it um, text-based engagement or, or intellectually engaged. And that's an important piece here for sure. So um, I'd like to unpack one thing that you talked about a little bit more. You talked about the, the, the combination, if you will, of, or stacking of knowledge and creating a, a superset of skill, yeah. um, or at least identifying what that is, and then using that to um, to identify new opportunities. And so I'm thinking about this as a coach. I'm thinking about this working with people who are sometimes in career transition or they're thinking about, you know, I don't find my corporate gig right now to be overly satisfying. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of one client in particular that I'm, uh, that I'm working with and having conversation about this specific thing. And, <laughs> excuse me, this particular person, without getting into too many specifics, one of the things that we're talking about now is 
how do you identify you know, your skills? How do you identify your passions? And how do you use that information in order to map out potential new opportunities for yourself? So you, you seem to go from sort of zero to 60 real quick in that conversation about what you were good at and what that meant for you in terms of pivoting into infographics and, and making a career out of it. But for the average person who's not quite there, and maybe it took a really long time for you to achieve that clarity, I don't know. But for some people, they kind of hem and haw a little bit. They're not exactly sure what am I really good at and what's, you know, what's marketable, what's, um, what can I convert into, into a real career for myself? So what insight or guidance would you offer to people to really identify? It's not just about your why. I think your why is important. I think understanding your passion can be valuable, though that sometimes is over played. You know, we don't always have to be following our passion necessarily, but I do think understanding what you're really good at and understanding how that relates to the market is very important. So talk us through that a little bit more, please. Okay. Well, buckle up kids. Cause here we go. <laughs> so I started my company almost 13 years ago when I was 29 and I was mad at myself for taking that long. That being said, it's never too early or too late. I think there is something to be said about applied wisdom over time. You kind of have to fail and do all that. But it's really interesting. So the most common piece of advice that I give to people about being an entrepreneur, ready, is do not be an entrepreneur. And they look at me like I'm crazy. They're like, what's going on here? Is this a trick? <laughs> like, we're supposed to be getting guidance about being entrepreneurs. So I don't mean it in a, a mean way. I mean it in a realistic way. Most businesses are going to fail and most people aren't ready for that. So if you have a spouse and your spouse isn't on board, you're going to fail before you start. If you don't know how to sell to people or at least have a salesman who's going to work on commission or something, you are going to fail. If you don't know how to break out the baseball bat and bust some kneecaps to collect on these so-called contracts that people are going to stiff you on because they look at you as a peon freelancer that they never actually have to pay, you are going to fail. The sad reality, Naftali, is that many people are subject matter experts. And there's nothing wrong with that, but they belong in a nine to five. They don't belong running their own ship because they need all the soft skills, all the relational skills, all the sales skills, and everything that is besides just making the product. So before we even get into that whole superset and what you're good at, an entrepreneur has to be a person who enjoys, ready, being the janitor and having their name in lights in the same day because that's how crazy some days are going to get. Like before we got on the phone, I was just running late and there's a million things going on and all that. <clears throat> you just have to not only deal with that, dealing that's not enough because you'll burn out. It's a psychologically fragile place to be an entrepreneur, right? You don't get a paycheck guaranteed every two weeks. You could starve to death easily. Even if you're yeah. like one of the best people in the world at it. And that was my journey to a, to a large degree coming from school leadership, you know, having yeah. a regular paycheck, knowing exactly what to expect, all of a sudden becoming, you know, a, a so to speak, let's call it a freelancer, an entrepreneur, a coach. Um, but I was the proverbial, you know, chief cook and bottle washer, you know, different metaphor, same concept. Sure. But at the same time, I think you would agree, Brian, that the goal is to move yourself away from some of those, let's call it janitorial tasks, and really be able to, to create the structure around which where you can provide the vision and perhaps some of the top end expertise and find the people beneath you, you know, to create um, the, the, the totality or to round out the picture uh, as, as far as your business is concerned. But I will tell you, there's no question about it. 
I thought, you know, here I am. I'm a coach. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to hang up my shingle and here I go. And I made a website and did a couple of other graphic related things. And I just sort of announced myself to the world. Right. And I learned very quick that it was a lot more to it. There's no question about it. And I think your advice is really spot on. On the same, At the same time, if we, if we don't take that leap, you know, and then, then we're leaving a lot, so to speak, on the table in many cases. You know, a lot of people feel confined by their nine to five. So again, kind of like circling back to it, I understand your, your, your point. I think it's well, very important that people understand what entrepreneurship really is. Reading the E-Myth, E-Myth I think, would be a great start to give you a feel for the different levels and what it means to be a technician as opposed to being something more than that. Right? You could be a great repair person, a great coach, a great, whatever service you're providing, great graphics designer, et cetera. But to go ahead and go on your own and really build the business is a totally different animal. But again, my question is really focus on even, you know, you had a career in tech, I think you said, and you were going down that path. And if you didn't, if you didn't mess with it, you would have stayed there for better, for worse. And you would have kind of continued along, but you pivoted. Right. And you pivoted in a way that was related, but probably not very closely related. Something that required a little bit of a leap of faith and required a change in terms of who you are, who you service, your branding, all these kinds of things. So for people who are really dissatisfied, not just because they don't like their boss or they don't like their teammates and they feel like they, you know, the climate is a little bit too pushy, but they genuinely feel that they can be making contributions elsewhere, that they really haven't tapped into their true potential. Is there anything you would be able to offer that would help them understand this is really your sweet spot and how you're going to make a difference in the world? Sure. So very important question, Natali. I think that there is a concept in today's world of being an intrapreneur. So there are people that could run an entire new division of a company and be everything like the entrepreneur of their dreams, but at the same time, they're still under the corporate blanket of getting that paycheck every other week. So a lot of people take a jump and everybody's excited for them and here's a cake and here's a going away card. What are you excited about? The guy might be on the street in a couple of weeks. Why would you leave a gig like that? I have friends that work for some of the biggest companies in the world and they also have thriving businesses at the same time. There's absolutely no reason that you have to leave, right? Nobody's compelling you and it's a free country. That being said, if it's soul crushing, you can always get all sorts of good vibes and feelings and a sense of value of what you do in all sorts of other things. You can volunteer, you can do all sorts of stuff. You can parent, you can be a good spouse, whatever. You, you know, your work and your life don't exactly work like they might use to, right? You can get fulfillment elsewhere. That being said, nobody likes being a drone and having everybody suck the life out of you. So there's a great book called Quitter by John Acuff. And to ruin the book for everybody real quick, it basically says, spoiler alert. Don't, yeah, spoiler alert. Hey, it's been around for a while. Deal with it, guys. Don't quit your day job at the risk of destroying your dream before it can blossom. That's all there is to it. So you can take some baby steps. There's all sorts of freelancing and gig economy and all that stuff because you might see that you might hate it. Maybe you're a designer, but maybe you get pushed around. Maybe you don't charge enough, right? Those are very common things. Maybe you don't know how to collect on payments. Everybody just thinks that like the business that you're dealing with is just going to automatically pay you the same day and give you whatever you want. 
never going to happen, guys. <laughs> you have to learn the hard way, probably. Yeah, and I've been toying with this quite a bit, Brian. Thank you. That was great. And I, I do actually, I've been looking at my phone here for a moment because I listen to a lot of books on Audible in my car and other places and a couple of books I want to reference uh, in a moment. Uh, that I think you touched on, at least some of the core ideas that they share. Um, but before I do, it's just, you know, I, I just want to be able to coach. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to be able, in my work, I want to be able to have my, 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 my calendar filled and just do the work I feel is my work. And I'd love to have, I'm not here to, you know, start fishing around for, um, for, other, for other people per se at the moment, but I've had so many conversations with myself and with others about, wouldn't it be great if I had somebody who is handling the sales component for me in a more robust type of way or really helping me fill my calendar so I can do what I love to do. And I think that the entrepreneur, anyone who's doing that really has to understand that there's a whole business side to it. And so you just have to be able to go into it and understanding that that's really part of the part of the process of growing. Um, and to pivot, if I may, for a second, I'm listening to a book now by Jonathan. I'd like to pronounce it as, I think it's height. I'm not sure. H-I-H-A-I-D-T called The Happiness Hypothesis. And it's a, it's a fascinating book. Lots of stuff in there. Um, but he does talk about, you know, how do people really find meaning, purpose, and happiness in their life? Yeah. There's no question that some of the things that you just talked about, such as volunteering, such as contributing to others in different ways, all of those lead to happiness and to fulfillment. It doesn't necessarily have to be on your LinkedIn title or your, your business card in order for you to be able to be a contributor. So if you want to give something that you think is a little bit bigger, your point, I think, about um, still staying on a team, you know, being an entrepreneur, but yet finding ways to make contributions, whether at the workplace or elsewhere, I think there's a lot of value to it. And um, that was one point. And then the other one is uh, a book by Cal Newport called So Good They Can't Ignore You. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great book as well because it focuses us, you know, we want to be jacks of all trades in many cases and demonstrate tons of skills. But the reality is you want to be, and this is what he talks about, you want to have really focused, clearly identified skills that help you stand out above everybody else that really give you, you know, there's so much competition today, whatever people are doing here in the U S there are tons of people doing it elsewhere, often for much less money. And I'm sure you encounter this all the time in terms of your work and, and your costs and you probably have competition in in third world countries and other places where people can definitely compete with you on price, but they can't necessarily compete with you on quality or on getting it on knowing the culture, knowing what speaks to business minds because you have that experience and you could really, you know, laser in on that, I would think more so than most people. And so, you know, this idea of being so good and really developing that expertise, I think it kind of brings the conversation full circle in a sense, because regardless, once you have that expertise, whether it's working for somebody else or branching out or doing both, like you talked about some of those people that you know, either way, it's going to give you a tremendously competitive um, advantage over a lot of other folks. Absolutely. If you can't show up and be remarkable, don't even bother. And I understand being remarkable takes a minute. (laughs) It sure does. Overnight success. We've got the 10,000 hour rule, whether you subscribe to that or not. Uh You have to attain mastery, refine your craft. Yet at the same time, like you said, there's the business side of it. And you have to go get sales and you wish that you had an appointment setter. Since you used the magic word LinkedIn, let me dive into something for a quick second. Sure. So there's a spectrum of sales over here, which a lot of people don't want to do. 
and marketing and branding and all that persona and magic. So even if you don't do a great job of being a salesperson or you don't want to or you think that they're creepy, whatever your problem is with sales, I don't think there's anything wrong with sales. The true nature and essence of sales is really to help people make better decisions about things that they didn't know about. Do you know how many conversations I have in a day with people all over the world that really don't know what an infographic is and what it can do? By the time I blow their mind after a few minutes, they're like, wow, I never thought that I could do that. Like we literally got a basketball player a $64 million contract by reshaping the way the NBA thought about him and getting it into the press. So it's not just drawing up a couple of templates in 10 minutes and calling it a day, right? So people need salespeople to help bridge that gap and get them from point A to point B because there's a lot of hills and valleys and detours and things. But let's just say that you don't have the sales ability, you don't have the practice, you don't feel smooth about it, you don't feel comfortable, you don't like getting people's money, you're not taking people's money. They're, <laughs> you're doing them the favor, right? Um, Mark no Cuban is pretty famous on saying that. So yeah, I'm, I'm, a huge, I'm a huge Zig Ziglar fan. I listen to him all the time. And I, I personally have gotten over the whole issue of sales as being slimy or things like that. I yeah. know it's out there, but go ahead on LinkedIn because I want to hear yeah. more about that. So the whole world of, let's call it building your personal brand, your persona, or what I like to call becoming irresistible in the media. I think this is anybody anyone's able to do something like this. If they put enough effort into it and they really want it and they have a, a really scary, honest conversation with themselves in the mirror, whatever it takes to kind of get from uncomfortable to comfortable there. And it's okay to get uncomfortable sometimes. You're trying new things and you wanna, you're the one who wants to be in the business, right folks? So come on, you gotta do this. So I think that a lot of people, I don't know about you, man, but when you go to a website and you want a product or a service, if you go to their about page and it just says like our engineers have 250 years of combined experience. They can't even show a picture and it's not human. Forget it. Like, speak to me, yeah. yeah. I want to know who's behind the brand and what they stand for. That doesn't mean that we need to get into divisive political nonsense or whatever. I just want to know what kind of people they are. And if they seem like scam artists or they're not there at all, forget it. It's just somebody who's sitting on the beach who wants to get my dollar and doesn't care about me. I'm not interested in that. In today's world, in 2019, I have choices. I have lots of choices. There's a global economy that's very competitive. And yeah, there's a sense of a race to a bottom, but you should never be on that race. Always, when in doubt, charge more. If you're really good at this, show it. And you shouldn't be ashamed to charge X times more because you're good at it and you're gonna show the return, you're gonna show the value. Absolutely. If that's not real, then whatever. But with that persona, you can build a tremendous profile on LinkedIn. And once you do that and you're clear to make content, we've won Fortune 500 business off of my LinkedIn profile. You've got 620 plus million and I think like 350 million active daily users on there. And they're all just sitting there. They're not contributing. Most people consume and they're just sitting there to be entertained and educated and to buy from you. Because that's it's right. Business. <clears throat> yeah, you, then, you said a ton there, and I've seen you. I mean, that's where I I met you the first time. Exactly. In through a common friend, um, I think it was Suzanne, Suzanne Spanner, mm -hmm. and uh, and so we we became better acquainted. And I still have yet to meet you in person, but I know that hopefully that's going to come soon. I think it's and, coming. Yep. And, and we've got uh, LinkedIn locals that you're doing, which is all great stuff. And every time I see that you're on there, people are just jumping on, commenting, and. And, and doing all sorts of things because you're adding tremendous value. And that's really important. You want to hear okay. something that's crazy? I have to just say one thing that's Go crazy. Go right ahead. This is going to be so counterintuitive to what most people say or think. 
So when I do a LinkedIn local or I do some of these things, people say, Brian, you never even talk about what you do. I don't even hear you use the word infographic half the time or almost all the time. Like, what's wrong with me? Am I just on stage? Am I just here to dance in front of the whole world and the internet? No. But I think that if you can be irresistible to the media, building that brand, doing all that stuff, if you can bring people into your orbit where if you add me on LinkedIn and then you start seeing me like every single day, eventually you're going to be like, wow, this guy is incredible. What is he talking about? Like he comes up with all this original stuff that nobody's talking about. And eventually I'm going to get so in your head that you will take the journey yourself to find out what I do, talk about it more, and then bring it up to me. So I don't even need to sell people. We don't do any outbound or cold calling or anything like that. I think that getting people into your whole orbit and vortex into all of your content, all of the value that you bring, the default that you should be as a human business or not is a place of giving, right? Like you're not paying me to be on this show. I have other appointments today. You know, a cold-hearted, um, capitalistic, baby-eating <laughs> maniac that's just there to have business all day would be like, oh, I'm not going to get on this show. What would, what's in it for me, right? Totally or wrong. Pay, way. Or pay me to show up. Yeah, right. That's horrible. I've had a couple of those. Of course you have. Everybody has. It's, yep. it's terrible. So if you just have this default giving and just over-delivering like that, you will bring a ridiculous amount of people to follow everything that you're doing. I mean, I'm at the point where like any city that I go to, I could just be like, hey, everybody, I'm coming to X. Who wants to meet up? And then my whole calendar is full and I can still do business and all that. Like I'm not starving, yep. right? So I think that's really what people miss. They oversell people before they even get to know people. Rather that's than true. go transactional, you should go relational. That's true, 100%. And I'm learning more and more about that all the time. Another book, just as a quick reference, The, the Prosperous Coach. This is really for those who are in the, the coaching or the, um, you know, whether it's therapies or other things like that, speaks very much about these points about building um, building relationships, demonstrating value, demonstrating capacity, and then as a result of that, being able as the expert to raise your rates and, and really be able to live comfortably so that you can serve. You know, oftentimes we think about that we want to just give, 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 and that's what puts us into these positions in the first place. But we also have to take care of ourselves of so that we can give more. Right. Now, you've, you've added a ton of value here, Brian. There's one question I had jotted down that I really want to circle back to if I can before we pivot because we are reaching the end of this. But I'm thinking because this is a leadership podcast and you've talked a ton about leadership, don't get me wrong. I think everything you've discussed, whether it's self-leadership, understanding yourself and your direction, your future, your team, you know, the internet, LinkedIn community, there's so much gold in here. But there, the, the question I want to ask you comes back specifically to the infographic and okay the team leader. So I know as a former educator and current educational coach as well, that visualization is critical for learning. And it really allows people like you talked about to quickly uh, understand and encapsulate ideas, et cetera, and use that towards whatever purpose. Um, from a leadership perspective, what um, benefit, you know, like, like oftentimes we share ideas verbally, we share ideas in text. We'll email, we'll text people. But why should, make the case, if you feel that this is a case that should be made, make the case why leaders should be using 
And you could be talking about it in infographics or you could just be talking about it in simpler, you know, diagram form and things like that, that people should be um, incorporating images not only to help them grow their business, but to build relationships and to inspire their people. You betcha. So I'm going to answer it from an infographic capacity because I think that's the right way to answer it here. Okay. Not to be promotional, but just I think it's dead center on. The problem that most companies, people, businesses, and brands have is that they do not know how to talk about themselves to the world, whether that's about their current customers, their team internally, their potential customers, the media, their grandparents, whoever. They suck at explaining themselves. They usually go one of two incorrect doors, ready? So door number one is they're all meek and quiet and they don't want to be all showy and stuff. So they just have a really wish-washy sort of approach about who they are. Maybe they're not really good at talking. They're not good at writing. Whatever it is, it's just a washed out message. It's too general. Or it's like, here's a product grid of 10 reasons why my coach thing is better than the other coach thing. We charge $79, they charge $89. Nobody cares in all this minutia. That's what you talk about in your head and you write on your own four walls and it just doesn't make any sense. Or they're kind of borderline sociopathic and they're too braggy and it's the fake it till you make it crowd who are full of crap and really haven't done anything great for the world yet. So either way, on the minute or the extreme, people over or undersell themselves and they make it so difficult to understand. In the world of sales, a confused mind says no. Why on earth as a customer, as I walk through this user customer experience, am I ever gonna go with somebody like that? It just doesn't work. And then interestingly, so that's from the internal product brand side. Then you have the other side where you're getting everything out into the media and all that. Bloomberg actually just had a report about a month ago where it was talking how there's six PR people for every journalist in the world. So journalists are getting fired, brands are shutting down, PR people are spamming everybody endlessly with these horrible press releases, five paragraphs of garbage, and how would you like to interview the CEO? Nope, delete. I, I get them all day long anyway. And so does everybody who has any kind of journalism, anything. So the journalists are desperate to feed the beast and talk about the news. And the brands are terrible at getting anything out there. Sometimes they'll just do press releases or they'll do sponsored garbage. So the infographic is the glue, is the bridge between these two worlds where we can explain the company and punch above their own weight class and just explain the entire industry according to them and make it something that's a media darling. So they get to simultaneously explain everything internally, externally, current customers, future customers, industry leading, thought leadership, and media magnet. So take that now one level down. I'm a leader, I, I wanna obviously communicate with, with, the broader, with the broader marketplace, et cetera, but internally with my own team. Yep. How, what, what, what argument could you make that leaders, whether it's in team meetings, in general communication, should be using imagery more to convey what they need to within, you know, within their own, space, so to speak. Yeah. It's interesting. So something I noted in my mind about what you were saying before is you want to get that whole team so you don't have to be the janitor anymore. I sort of disagree with that. I mean, obviously I have a team and they do tons of stuff and I, I wouldn't be anywhere without them. However, if you still have to be the person who leads by example, you don't hide behind your team. It's completely the other way around. 
like you've seen that thing with the everybody sitting on the boat and they're rowing and whatever, right? So you have to be out there in front and row. You have to lead by example or nobody's going to Servant leadership. Absolutely. Right. There's all sorts of different ways that can be stated. So I think so what I'm so what I'm hearing is uh, like not not as an image, but as a vi as a personification, if you will, of what you want or de demonstrating for others what you want them to be doing for themselves as well or for the team. Absolutely. In other words, be be the person, be the example, be the role model. Right. Yeah, and just knowing that we're all in it together. We talked about LinkedIn. I know Reed Hoffman, who started LinkedIn, always says that people aren't there for jobs. They're there almost like a military campaign where they do a tour of duty. So that's kind of a really weird and interesting way. A lot of people don't really talk like that. Um, I think visuals can certainly do a lot. Uh, we actually do a fair amount of infographics internally. I, usually they're secret projects because they describe internal things. But let's say you have a very large organization and you have a brand new incredible research and development division. How does everybody know to work with them? How does everybody know everybody, right? So How it all think, comes together. Yeah, exactly. So I think that you have to have unifying principles. How you communicate them is up to you. Speaking of unifying principles, since we're talking about books, um, wonderful book out there by the Eisenberg brothers called Be Like Amazon, and it talks about Amazon's unifying principles. I'm not going to ruin the book on this one. It's short enough. It's like 150 pages. You guys can do it. Come on. I've got some credits. Maybe I'll grab that one. Yep. Okay, Brian, this has been unbelievable. Tons here, and there's so much to talk about, and I know you've got a busy day, and so do I. So we're going to pivot at this point to Oops. a very fun short segment called rapid fire and in a rapid fire section the answers are short and succinct usually just a few words up to a sentence and um this one may be hard because you may have to actually describe it maybe you could just tell us where you used it the infographic that you're most proud of Ooh, that's a tough one um so i'll answer with one of our most famous ones it's about the psychology of color it was for a painting client when that took off we got Google and Adobe as clients because they reached out to us the same week that it came out. It's been out on the internet probably seven or eight years and every day it's still shared all over the internet. Cool. The best place you've hosted a LinkedIn local event. Ooh, oh man. So, there's no way to not get somebody mad at me on this one. <laughs> Let's just go with the last one that we just did, which was at Paycor's headquarters here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, we had 200 RSVPs and it's still sold out the week before. Wow. It's a really beautiful campus and um, I just, I really enjoyed it a lot. We had a lot of fun. Wonderful. Something interesting about you that most people do not know. Huh. Let's see. What don't people know about me? You're pretty open. So yeah, this, this I mean, must I be a hard one. Answer that. I feel like I put it all out there. I believe I'm going to answer that in a weird way. Are you way. a closet gardener or something? No, I'm, I'm going to answer that in a weird way. So I'm very firewalled in my private life and I like to be a private person. I think that there's personal information and there's private information and I don't really trust the internet. So a lot of times people don't know that I have a big family or where I live or things about me. So I think that's probably one of the most interesting things. I think that you can have a public persona without sharing every gut-wrenching stupid story. I think there's a, such a thing as oversharing and I don't think it's healthy. I agree. Now, you've mentioned a few already, but I'll ask you this one anyway. The book that you most often gift or recommend? I said it right before we started the lightning round. It's called Be Like Amazon. But since I already mentioned that one, now I got to come up with another one, right? All right. Go um, ahead. Let's see. Uh, Good to Great by Jim Collins is certainly nice. wonderful. I think that 
Well, that's one. Okay, there you okay, go. Okay, let's stay there. So now give us an opportunity to share, to, to connect with you more. Obviously, you're all over LinkedIn. People should definitely reach out to you there. Uh, website, any other uh, information that would help people connect with you, learn more about your work? Sure. So since there's hundreds of thousands of people named Brian Wallace, I am found on pretty much every social media channel as now sourcing the name of my company. I'm most active on LinkedIn. I do a little bit of other stuff elsewhere. I feel like everybody thinks that they need to be an expert and be on every platform all the time. So I keep a pulse on everything else, but LinkedIn is probably where to check me out the most. I do have that podcast, Next Action, uh, which is at nextaction.cc. And you can always find us on the web at nowsourcing.com. Beautiful. Okay, Brian, you've given us so much, but the way I always end it is I ask my guests for just a little bit more. So please do give us one final life lesson that could tie a beautiful ribbon um, or bow around our conversation today. So life lesson, I know I talked about this a little bit, but I think that before you even start thinking about business, your default position in life should be how you can help others. Great things will come out of that. Um, I'll even add a book to tie that in if you think I'm full of crap. Because a lot of people say to me, sure, all this giving stuff nice, but when do you monetize and eat everybody alive and steal $100 bills out of their wallet? Go read The Go-Giver by Bob Berg if you don't believe me. Or he was, he was a guest on our, on our podcast, but go ahead. Yeah, I think if, you, if you're still worried about it because you think it's not going to pay off for you, you're wrong. It's going to pay off for you better in the long run as opposed to all these stupid short-term gains that people just basically destroy everything that they were doing in the first place. Beautiful. Okay. Really a ton of good stuff here. We are going to get this out soon. Brian, thank you so much for finding a few minutes for your very busy schedule. And uh, definitely everybody check him out. He's got tons of value to add. Uh, I'm learning a lot from connecting with Brian. I'm certainly looking to move that from cyberspace to real life in the very near future. Thanks again. Have an awesome day now. You betcha. You too. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and for investing in yourself so that you can lead to succeed. Before you go, don't forget to pick up your copy of Becoming the New Boss on Amazon or at becomingthenewboss.com. If you've already got your copy, be sure to rate the book and leave a comment. 